welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Excited to start a new sermon series, excited to be in, in a new space, and, uh, and exciting even to see some new faces today. So, um, and it's Canada Day long weekend. Woohoo! Fun times. And most people have a holiday on Monday, so that's going to be fun, and we hope that you make the best use of that. Um, so we're going to recap real quick. Uh, as we jump in, um, here's, here's kind of the story that we're in the middle of. Um, God has been enjoying loving community for eternity past. That's the God that we, that we know and love. Um, he created the universe and everything in it uh, and declared it good. And God created people to enjoy that creation and to steward it well and enjoy it. Um, but unfortunately, people sinned against God, and we separated ourselves from Him. And that's, that's the consequences of sin. We just separate ourselves from God. God, of course, He loves His creation. In particular, He loves human beings whom He created in His image, because He created them to be in loving relationship with Him. And so in great compassion, He didn't want to leave us in that kind of mess that we, just, that we created for ourselves um, for all of eternity. And so what did He do? He patiently waited uh, after consistently and constantly pursuing his people with great passion and great patience. I love it. If you just read the scripture, you just see the, the, the patience of God and the compassion of God and that pursuingness of God um, all throughout it, all throughout the story. And, uh, and then he, after constantly doing that, he, he awaited the appointed time to send his son to earth to live a life without sin for our sake. That's Jesus. And so Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life. He grew in stature and favor with men and with the Father. And throughout the course of his life, Jesus did ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are told throughout the Gospels that Jesus was led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. <clears throat> and preceding all of this, when he was baptized by John the Baptizer, not the Baptist, because there was no Baptist denomination back then, uh, that's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove, and that marked a change in his life where he entered into active, intentional uh, ministry. And so what did this ministry look like? He taught, he healed, he led, he exhorted, he rebuked, he cast a vision, he preached, he encouraged, he prophesied, administrated, he shepherded, and much, much more, all by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's exciting. So then Jesus, he goes, he dies on a cross in our place for our sins so that you and I can receive the Holy Spirit, become Christians, and live the same life that Jesus lived, loving God and loving people. After he died, he rose again three days later, and he wandered around teaching about the kingdom of God, appearing to many and proving that he rose from death. That's pretty cool. This, of course, is a result uh, of a powerful outworking of the Holy Spirit. And then he ascends into heaven where he currently resides, fully alive and well. And if you uh, aren't used to coming to church, this is the truth that we believe, that Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead and he resides in heaven, at the right hand of the Father. <clears throat> then he sends the Holy Spirit. He sends his Holy Spirit to people, to the earth. 
That Holy Spirit gives us a heart that can, uh, that can love Jesus and a will that can be obedient to Jesus. It opens our ears to hear his voice. That's, that's the sweet part. If, you, if you've been at Trinity Life for any amount of time, you know we hammer that nail a lot. We just want to hear God's voice. And so the Holy Spirit allows us to hear God's voice. And that allows us to live the life that Jesus lived, where we do what we see our Father doing and say what we hear our Father in heaven saying. That life is a life full of the Holy Spirit. And the ministry that we get to do is empowered by the Holy Spirit through gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And those are for building others up. They're for bringing joy to the world, healing broken people, and restoring the creation around us, and obviously much more. And so as a church, what does this mean for us? Because we kind of sit in this time now, or the, whole, the, the, the age of the Spirit of God. And so we thought it'd be helpful to just kind of examine what these spiritual gifts are to give us clarity on how God may be actively seeking you and pushing you towards active ministry. And simply said, God's going to use those gifts for you to love people and to serve people that he's intentionally placed in your path in a particular way. And all of this is going to just give understanding to how, when we talk about body life, when we talk about uh, what life together is supposed to look like, this, this is it. These spiritual gifts are meant to define the Christian community. And so uh, coming out of our, uh, our um, Body Life Collective uh, on Wednesday, we kind of spent time just remembering our story individually. Uh, God, what have you done in particular God, we declare that this is, this is who you are. You've been faithful. You've been merciful to me. You've been on and on and on. And then specifically saying, God, you have done this thing in particular in my life. God, you've rescued me from uh, pornography addiction. God, you've rescued me from uh, apathy. God, you've rescued me from uh, whatever it is. And just people were just declaring these things, and it was beautiful. Um, a lot of it was very personal, and so what I'm going to do is kind of recap very on brief the, the story of our church. Uh, certain individuals with a discernible call to this specific city of Toronto to plant churches, uh, just, it was very Holy Spirit, God-orchestrated moments that three individuals, and I mean many individuals, came together um, to, to pursuing this calling and just kind of randomly met already here uh, with a similar calling and a similar heart for the city of Toronto. And, uh, and these individuals and many more started gathering around and praying for people to discover their identity and their destiny in Jesus Christ in order to influence the city and the world. And we met in homes during the week. We started teaching the Bible, praying and using our spiritual gifts. And this started to be attractive to other people in the city. And it was pretty cool. Um, we got definitely a whole bunch of like weird people like me come around and just love it, and it was awesome. Um, and, uh, and yes, <laughs> things just got nuts. And so let's talk about the craziness. Um, we started engaging our local community organizations and building relationships with them, using our spiritual gifts amongst them uh, to see awesome things happen uh, that were loving towards people whom the world thought were natural enemies of Christians. And we can talk about very particular instances if you have questions about what that looked like in the early days as well. And actually, let me say this too. We're still in the early days. We've, just, we've been doing this for five years, right? Our five-year anniversary is coming up in September, which is pretty exciting. Uh, many of you, indeed, were attracted to what God was doing in our church. And despite this crazy journey thus far, you've stuck around uh, to see what God is going to do next. 
Hear me now, because this is the exciting part. I mean, it's been exciting. But there's something that's coming next. In this journey of planting Trinity Life Church, we're at a milestone moment where God no longer wants to operate through a small group, but he wants to awaken something new in our church and use everyone in our church, whether you're sitting in the front row because you're an eager beaver, or whether you're hiding somewhere on the fringe today, hopefully to not be noticed, uh, and he want, but he wants to use you. He wants to use you to make a lasting, deep impact for the kingdom of God here in this city and around the world. And for some of you, the start of that today is going to be becoming a Christian, trusting in Jesus, repenting of your sin, learning to love him, obey him, experiencing healing from things that have been horrible things that have been done to you, and experiencing freedom from the horrible things that you have been doing. That's the start of what, what this next season is going to look like. For others, it may mean waking up from your spiritual sleepiness and chasing after what God uniquely has for you at this church. And for others, it means uh, no longer doing everything yourselves. We appreciate the hard work that you've been putting in, but now is time for you to take a step of faith and to pass the baton onto others, disciple them uh, as they learn to take over ministry, to grow in maturity, and to start using their gifts in a new way under your authority and leadership. We're so invested in this church not being led by a small few people that were doing things like this sermon series. We're going to hopefully awaken this in us. And more than that, um, I mean, we've been doing this, doing this all year, but, uh, but more than that, um, it's still early in this journey. It is. And that's, it's easy to think that, that it's easy to forget, sorry, that, that not too long ago, we just didn't even exist as a church. This is an important next step, this season that we're entering into as we continue to find our own identity in Christ corporately, together, as the body in downtown. Those things that go beyond just this sermon series um, are what we've been doing all year. This is just a continuation of all of the sermon series throughout the year um, that we've been intentionally doing. Uh, We've also been intentionally building into our leadership team that has doubled, if not tripled in size over the last 12 months with people who have different spiritual gifts, different ages, different life experiences, different cultural backgrounds. Uh, On top of that, we've continually been calling people to hear, trust, and obey the Father's voice. We've left tons of room for people to discern what that might be and learn how to do it. Uh, for the first time, in order to ensure that God is made much of in this church. We don't want authoritarianism. We don't want top-down leadership because Jesus Christ is the senior pastor of our church, and he's gifted all of us to push this church forward. It's exciting. It's an exciting season that we're entering into. And as we continually press forward, however slowly it may seem, because it seems slow sometimes, right? When you fold those pamphlets yet again on Sunday morning, when you plug, plug that cord in yet again on Sunday morning, waking up early yet again on Sunday morning, it may seem slow. But this milestone is so important. It's, right, it's at our feet right now, and it's going to take a leap of faith for some of us to cross. Some of you aren't going to do it. You're not going to come with us. 
the cornerstone, the milestone of Jesus Christ and his unique calling for our church and the mission of our church will be a stumbling block for you because you prefer to rest in the past instead of walking into what's next. Be careful. Or you'll stumble because the people walking over this milestone into the next season are just as broken and in need of God's grace as you, and you'll be deeply bothered by that and will refuse to walk alongside of us as we try our best to continue to follow Jesus and seek his best for us. Be careful of that. But this is what excites me. Some of you, some of you will take bold steps to cross the milestone with us. And you're going to enter into the next season of blessing, mission, and calling for our church. This season will be hard work. It'll take sacrifice. It'll take perseverance. It will take patience. It will take self-control. But we will get to experience peace and joy and healing and power unlike any other season of Trinity Life Church. Is that exciting or what? Yeah. Join us. Cross the milestone with us. And so thus we come to this point, charisma, where we're going to explore our spiritual gifts, uh, and hopefully we can better understand them and explore them and then start to use them together. Uh, It's going to be pretty cool. So the way we've organized the sermon series is we're going to have various different speakers throughout the course of the time, and it's going to sometimes look like this, where an individual will take the whole sermon. Sometimes we'll have people up for Q&A, which would be cool. Uh, Sometimes we'll have people uh, up just, yeah, just to share a testimony about how they use their gifts, whatever it's going to look like. Uh, Or we'll have a couple different people. We're going to kind of do two gifts each week. We'll have maybe one person talk on one, one person talk on the other that week and kind of double team a a Sunday. It's just going to be be fun and exciting, and you guys are all going to get to deposit wisdom and your experience of using those gifts in our church. And that's that's cool. That's cool. All right. Let's start jumping into the text that Missy read. Um, There's so much in this text. And uh, it's, it's actually, Ephesians is one of my favorite books, and in particular, especially exploring my calling as a church planner, like this, these passages in particular, because um, the Holy Spirit wants to do something special today. So Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16, and he gave, let's pause there. All right, number one, we need to recognize that God gave us people and not just gifts. He gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. Those are people, as well as being those gifts. And there'll be times when we experience uh, possible tension with each other because of our sin and our preferences and our personalities or degrees of emphasis in ministry um, based on a certain leading of people with different gifts. But let us remember that each gift is actually a person that God has gifted to the church to love and serve each other. And if we keep this at the front of our mind, the Spirit we'll be able to walk us through those tensions in love and grace and humility. And we'll begin appreciating the unique way in which God has gifted and crafted and created each of those people around us. And secondly, on this part of the scripture, someone in this room needs to know right now that you are an incredible gift to our church. All of you, you as a person, are an incredible gift to our church. And it's a valuable gift because you serve an important function among us and we value you. I say this because either you have started to believe 
or someone has made you to believe that you are not valuable. And in Jesus' name, I bless you to experience the value inherent in you because of what, how God has created you and how God has gifted you today. Did you hear me? I know at least one of you are in that place. And so whichever one it is, I hope you heard me. Let's move on in the passage. The apostles, and he gave the apostles. Okay, let's pause again. I'm going real fast through this. <laughs> All right. It's very, 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 very important to dive into this gift, which is why we're loading it up front. Um, one, because it's a, it's a weird word, and even in the church, uh, few understand uh, what this word actually means because there's been a lot of twisting and manipulating of, of the apostle. Um, I won't make weird jokes about what some of those things are, but... Uh, yeah, it can get weird. Um, and so we want to we wanna help clear away some of those distortions and place, place a, a definition and, and terms and language around what apostleship is supposed to be. Um, because this, this gift is the foundation, it's a foundational place in which all the other gifts uh, find their place and their purpose. So here's our definition of apostleship at Trinity Life Church, and I got this on the screen for you. It's the ability to envision and create an environment for others to discover and live out their kingdom calling. Furthermore, if you have this gift on the next slide, you demonstrate a deep understanding and vision for the kingdom of God and the mission of the church. Uh, you can adapt to different surroundings by being culturally sensitive, you have a strong sense of calling by God for establishing new things. You have various gifts. You're able to influence and lead other leaders. And uh, you're able to take risks and take on difficult tasks, are concerned about, uh, about others living out their calling. That's pretty cool. That seems pretty, really important, doesn't it? I think so. So let's, uh, let's continue to talk about this. Um, many of you actually are benefiting from the apostolic vision of other people right now, and, I, and you've, you've benefited from it your entire Christian walk. Actually, not many, all of us. Uh, we, we have an apostolic faith built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Um, somebody has taken great pain and risk in order to create an environment, in particular this environment right here at Trinity Life Church, for you to live out your calling. The fact that this church even exists is because of the apostolic gifting of a few people who took steps of obedience toward Jesus. And so deep, deep thanks to Jesus for gifting those people that way, and deep, deep thanks for those people for persevering and being obedient and continuing to work in this church. Here's a quote from, uh, from a guy. I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but I know this about him. This is D. Hawk. He's the former CEO and founder of Visa Credit Card Association. Who's got a Visa credit card in their pocket, right? Those guys are making lots of money off all of us. Um, and it's a, it's a massive corporation. It's a massive entity, and there's a lot of people around here. And so uh, whether he understands it or not, this is how he, he understands uh, organizations and how they function, and I think this will inform how we understand the apostolic. Um, so this is what he says. Purpose and principle, clearly understood and articulated and commonly shared, are the genetic code of any healthy organization. 
To the, to the degree that you hold purpose and principles in common among you, you can dispense with command and control. You can get rid of, like, authoritarian approach, right? Um, people will know how to behave in accordance with them, and they'll do it in thousands of unimaginable, creative ways. The organization will become a vital, living set of beliefs. It's really interesting, right? Coming from a guy who just runs a business, you wouldn't think this, this like, you think about your Visa card and people who deal with money and, and create corporate empires like this, you think of them as like really dry, you know, maybe even like life-sucking type people, they just want your money, they're, you know, they're out to get you. But like, for a guy like this to say that when you, when you give people a set of, of DNA that is deep within them and everybody believes in it, you'll see people do creative things upon the thousands. Like, people are just free to work and to, and to be creative and to see amazing things happen. It's really interesting. Uh, someone else, J.R. Woodward, is a church planter and church planting network leader, and he describes the apostolic like this. And this will be on the screen as well for you to follow along. I've nicknamed apostles dream awakeners. Because the heart of an apostle is to awaken people and communities to join God in the renewal of all things. Apostles are sent by God to help create a discipleship ethos and to call people to participate in the advancement of God's kingdom. Apostles seek to help people understand and live out their calling as sent people in the world for the sake of the world. They make disciples who, in turn, make other disciples who multiply ministries that bless the world. This sounds fun, to me anyways. Some of you are like, I could never do that. <laughs> uh, and that's okay, because you have a different gifting, right? And God has given a diversity of people to the church um, for, this, for this reason. All right, so let's pick out a few key points in this um, that really illustrate what this can look like. Uh, so number one, ministers, uh, sorry, apostles minister cross-culturally. This gets exciting to me. Um, for some of you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like international ministry, right? You're going to go across the world, and, and you're going to engage people that speak a totally different language than you, which I had struggle enough with English, as, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, and so that's not exciting, as exciting to me as it may be for some of you, but I still have a passion to see people of different languages meet Jesus, of course. Um, but for some of you, like, you're just so fired up. Like, there's no stopping you. You're like, no, don't, don't blow your OSAP money on a plane ticket. You know? <laughs> uh, so, for some of you, uh, it may just be subcultures within our own culture or very, very niche cultures. And for me, that, that excites me. I speak a language uh, that is different from people uh, when it comes to very particular things. Um, and I okay, I'll just be honest, I'm a big-time nerd, uh, and not even in the way that you're thinking right now. <laughs> so if you're interested in what that means, you can ask me after, um, because we don't need to talk about it right now. But, uh, but they, these people that I engage with, they speak a very particular language, right? They, they oh man, I'm going to reveal too much. <laughs> Let's say, okay, let's say like this. Who likes Star Wars? In here? This is accessible, right? This is like entry-level nerddom. All right, so great. <laughs> Yeah, entry level. <laughs> Star Wars, people who love Star Wars, they speak a different language. They just do. They, they know who the, all you know, five characters in the Cantina Band are. They know their names. They, they know the tune that they play. They could sing it for you right now. Come on, somebody. Yeah, okay. See? <clears throat> um, 
you get super excited about what Han Solo is going to do next, and you went to see the, the latest movie to, to deeper define your understanding of who Han Solo is and why he is the way he is. Uh, that's just your, you just speak that language, and you, you have a passion for reaching people who also speak that language if you are gifted apostolically. Um, and you can easily slide in between these different subcultures and niche cultures, um, and so you probably have a bunch of different uh, friend circles. So if you're, if you're someone who you're like, ah, I don't know if I'm gifted apostolically, but you, if you have a bunch of different friend circles and you can speak the language that, they, that all those different friend circles speak, like they're not just the same people in different places, but they're actually kind of different people. Like, these people like dragon boating, and you love hanging out with those people, and you also love uh, book club, and you also have friends who like are into craft beer or something like that. And you just, you speak all those different languages, and you can easily slide in and out of those different friend circles. You may be gifted apostolically. Um, another, another major point is you uh, so the minister cross-culturally as well, you, you may have, and if, especially if you grow into maturity in this gifting, you may have a church planting ability. 80% of church planters fail depending on who you ask, and so it's a, just a miracle by the grace of God that Trinity Life is still around today, and we've seen many church planters and their families come into Toronto and leave, and it's very sad. Uh, <clears throat> and existing churches can kind of survive with shepherd leaders or maybe teacher leaders, which the North American church has been heavily leaning on those two gifts to lead the church for the last while. Um, but missional movements and new churches will not survive without apostolic leadership. Uh, thirdly, you are a pastor of leaders. Generally, um, if you've matured, uh, generally, pro sorry, you probably have matured in a variety of different giftings, uh, the apostolic, but maybe as well, uh, teaching, the gift of leadership, and, and many others. And so this culminates in your ability to lead other leaders. Uh, you can lead movements that are effective across many organizations. It doesn't have to be the church, but it can be in many different regions as well. And that's, that seems pretty big, right? Like ministering cross-culturally, church planting, and a pastor of leaders. They're like, oh my gosh. Like I thought maybe with the cross-cultural stuff, niche culture, but those other things, like, whoa, that's, that's a big task, right? Um, and so it's necessary to ask this question, Adam, how do I mature in this gifting? Because I thought, I, I think I may have it if I have a passion to see some of those things happen, um, but it just seems so far away. Right? If that's kind of the question you're asking right now, um, here's something for you. Uh, because it's a good question, and so let me take, tell you a couple next steps maybe for you if, you if you think you lean this way or if somebody has affirmed in you that you may have this gift or uh, you've taken a, a gifts test online and it said, hey, apostolic is your number one. You're like, I don't want to wear a white suit and have crazy hair. And, oh, I said I wasn't going to do that. Uh, all right. Uh, so, a uh, good place to start is body life groups. Normally, um, when it's not the summer, we all meet in homes throughout the week, uh, throughout the city, to experience life together as a church and to use our various different giftings. Um, and somebody has to set the stage for this. Somebody has to set the tone and the direction and the vision for what's going to happen every time we gather. Uh, 
And it's, and it's all going to be based on many different factors, and the person who may be bent this way can recognize, see, and respond to all those factors. So, like, who showed up that week, what sermon series we're in, what scripture is coming up on Sunday, uh, the needs of the people in the group, uh, the upcoming activities that are going on in the life of the church, um, and also what they sense the Holy Spirit wants to do that particular evening or week or moment, depending how you're gathering, amongst the people that are there. And that, that's a task, a very simple next step for the task of the apostolic, um, as well as ministry teams. Many of you are on a, turn, uh, on a team already. We still need tons of help throughout the summer, by the way, and, uh, and so let me know if you are not on a team and you would like to help serve the church because you love God, you love people, you love this church, and you want to see us continue to push the kingdom of God forward. But uh, so many of you have joined a team to use your gifts, love people, and serve our city, and someone has to lead each of those teams each week. We have kind of uh, leaders in place to, leave, to lead the departments as, as a whole, but we also need, you know, we're, we're uh, coming forward into the fall, we're going to be raising up leaders of each team during the week as well, and someone has to lead those teams. Um, and so next step for you may, may be to start leading a team one of those weeks during the month. Uh, you get to learn how to uniquely discern what God wants to do to build up your team that week and equip people, encourage people, uh, equip and encourage them for service uh, at that particular time. So, uh, you may find that as you mature in this gifting, other people around you begin to discern their calling and take steps of faith uh, in their own ministry journey. And you find great joy in that if you're apostolic. That's exciting for you, and especially when they succeed, and especially when they fail, because you're right there to continue pushing them forward. You enjoy giving opportunities and responsibilities away because you know that someone else is maturing in their calling, and you are being freed up to enter into a new season of risk-taking in your ministry. Managing and maintaining probably scares you a little bit, uh, but you discern that other people are equipped uh, and called for these types of tasks, and you need to be constantly doing new things because you can't help but dream into the future of what could be next. Is that you? Here's some warnings to people with this gifting. I could phrase this as, here are some warnings to myself, <laughs> and you get to listen in. Stay humble. Just because people do not see what you see doesn't mean they aren't passionate, motivated, and serious about the kingdom of God. Adam, remember that. Operate in, operate in this at the level in which God has you right now. Do not try to go beyond that, or else you will find that you are frustrated and angry with the people around you, especially those in leadership over you. On that note, stay under authority. Many people, especially my age and younger, do not want to be under authority. Does that sound like you? Yeah, right? We don't like people telling us what to do. <clears throat> we need to appreciate other people and remember that this gifting is about creating an environment for others to live out their calling and succeed in the way that God has called them. And if you don't watch out, you'll end up miles ahead without anyone following you. And if you don't appreciate the people God has placed in front of you, this could happen. Uh, here's a little story time. Um, when I first met uh, the, two, uh, the two guys who originally 
um, came together to start this church, uh, I knew I had a strong, strong, strong sense of calling to plant a church. Um, they met in uh, January of 2013, and I met them in March or April of 2013, so just a couple months later, and they had already decided that the Spirit was calling them together to plant this church. Um, and when I met them, I had been a Christian for five minutes. I knew I was called to plant a church, and I had a lot of maturing to do, a lot of growing to do, and I had to come under their authority. And it was hard, right? It's hard. Uh, in many ways, we spoke the same language. In many ways, we shared the same heart. But in, in many ways, because of uh, my lack of maturity and, and even their inexperience sometimes, because it was new to all of us, uh, we, like, I, I had to stay humble and come under authority and allow them room and space to, uh, to, to dictate vision and direction. Um, and that could be important for you as well if you're an apostolic leader. And it'll be important, I just thought of this too, it'll be important for this next season of our church as we try to continue to push things forward. If you're apostolically gifted, we need you, and we need you to, to come along with us and not always fight, fight against us. All right, so what does this have to do with Jesus? Hebrews 3.1, Jesus is our apostle. This is, what it, this is what it says. You can go look it up on your own time. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, he's the one who ministers cross-culturally. He comes uh, from uh, heaven down to earth. That's a huge cross-cultural boundary. <clears throat> he started the greatest church planting and missionary movement of all of human history. He took regular people and made them into some of the most influential leaders ever recorded. That's Jesus. Jesus is our great apostle. Are we ready to continue on in the verses, the Ephesians 4? Let's do it. Next up, the prophets. Let's stop there. Okay, we won't stop there. We'll save that one for another week, actually. <laughs> it is deeply important, but we're going we're gonna to leave that for a very prophetic type person or people to, to speak into that. Um, the, but just a quick note, these guys are the great correctors of the church that keep the dreamers uh, faithful in their leadership and faithful in the vision. Reading on, the evangelists. Okay, we're going to pause here. These are, this is our second gifting for today. Let me see how my time's doing. Yeah, we're doing okay. All right, the evangelists. Our definition for evangelism at Trinity Life Church. Here we go. The special ability to communicate the gospel message effectively to unbelievers. How many of you are like, no, no, not me. How many of you are like, yes, me, right? Sometimes it can be pretty obvious which direction you're bent on this one. Um, but here we go. Let me, let me read a little bit more so that you have a, a, a better idea. So if you have this gift, you have an intense sense of urgency and unrest at the thought of unsaved people. You're capable of communicating the message of Jesus with clarity and conviction, and you seek opportunities to build relationships with unbelievers. You have the ability to insert spiritual truth into normal conversations uh, with the unsaved, and you experience sometimes unusual success in your evangelism where other people may, may fail. I love this gift. This is totally me. Um, here's some important points that I see in our definition for you. Um, actually, sorry. I have those in a second. Let me say this. Um, but for me, uh, that first point, you have an intense sense of urgency and unrest about the thought of unsaved people. It's a burden for me that my friends may go to hell. <laughs> like, I just want to be with all these cool, amazing, unique people forever, 
right? And that's, that's the hope that is in Jesus. We get to be with everyone. We get to be with Jesus, ultimately with Jesus, but also all together forever without sin. I know sin makes it hard sometimes, but that's our hope. And so it burdens me that my friends and my neighbors and my family, that that may be a reality for them or not be a reality for them. And so some of you, uh, if you are not bent this way, you'd rather avoid that truth maybe or avoid uh, just talking to people. You may feel the, the burden, but you can't quite get over the step to actually talk to somebody about it. And that's, that's okay to, to learn and to grow in those moments because we all have to do this a little bit. Like we're not, not only the evangelist should evangelize, just so you know, um, but it's okay to, to be hesitant and to have other people come around you and push you into maturity in this too. Um, all right, so for me, I just need to be around non-Christians. Some like Christians are weird. I don't know if you guys know, especially becoming a Christian at 23, never going to church like ever. Uh, we're weird. I don't know if you knew that. Um, and so I like to hang out with non-Christians. Um, <clears throat> and here's here's what's cool about it is just by being in relationship with them sometimes, like. Every time I hang out with a non-Christian, they're not falling to their knees in repentance and like trusting in Jesus. But I do see little steps of faith as I journey with people year after year after year. And that's like really exciting for me. And it keeps me around them and it keeps me wanting to push them into, uh, towards Jesus. Um, here's, so here's a little story time. Uh, like I said, I'm a big time nerd. And so I walked into a nerd store one time uh, in the uh, west end of downtown and I walked in, and I'd, I've been into this super nerd stuff for a long time, since I was about 10 years old, and I walked into this one particular shop, and I saw all these guys standing around, um, and after becoming a Christian, I kind of like pushed some of it away for a while, and so it was like my first step back into this, um, and I was like, Jesus, who's reaching these guys? And I speak their language. Jesus, should I be reaching these guys? Yes. Yes. And so then crazy things happened. I started a little business and I was able to leave my job somewhere else to do this business that put me in this community on a more regular basis. I was very intentional about crafting a lifestyle that could be bent around engaging people like this and, and building a relationship with people like this. And if you're an evangelist, um, I would encourage you to do that. Build your life in a way where you can be around non-Christians and not just get stuck in the church doing church things all the time. Um, all right, so here's some important points on this. Uh, seek opportunities to build relationships on believers. You love, if you're an evangelist, you love weird people. You love non-Christians. Who are the weirdest people you know? Myself. There, there you go. You just love being around yourself all day. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, or maybe you be, like being around other weird people like you. But if all your friends are, are you know, just, just the same as you, you Maybe you're not an evangelist, but if you like be, being around people who are different from you and way weirder than you and into weird things, maybe you're an evangelist. Um, maybe sometimes even you're accused of sin just because you hang out with these people. Uh, Non-Christians are drawn to you and end up coming to church because of you. You love going to places where you can meet new people, and you're okay with being alone in those places. You love plane rides in particular because you get uninterrupted few hours with one person in particular to talk to them all you want about Jesus. And in fact, you even pray walking onto the plane, 
God, give me a non-Christian, right? You're capable of communicating the message of Jesus. So Christians, we have this weird language that we, talk, that we speak when we talk about Christian things, and nobody understands what you're talking about, right? Like, the dude, the dude you're trying to talk with, the non-Christian, he's just like, I needed that because you're weird. Like, that is, that, like, nobody understands what you're talking about. You talk about justification and premillennialism, postmillennialism, like, covenants and all these weird things. And, no, one, nobody cares and nobody understands. <laughs> and for you, if you're an evangelist, people actually understand you when you talk about Jesus. You can communicate the, the clear message of the gospel simply and in their language. And non-Christians feel comfortable asking you questions about faith. And the, the last point that I think is particularly important that we're emphasizing is you experience unusual success in your evangelism. And I want to point out in this, this doesn't always have to be immediate conversion. You may be gifted as an evangelist, but you've shied away from it because every time you talk to someone about Jesus, they don't have that moment of repentance and faith right in front of you that second. That's okay, right? Unusual success is not always immediate conversion. Success takes shape in many different ways. Uh, people take a next step towards the community of faith. Maybe they just start coming in a church, or they come to your body life group, or they feel comfortable hanging out with you and your Christian friends doing something really fun. That could be an easy next step. Just do that. Um, people start asking more faith-based questions, and some people indeed do have that conversion experience where they pray for the first time under your care and guidance, whether they're with you or not with you, and they tell you about it later, um, under your care and guidance and time with them. So this begs the question, how do I grow in this gifting? Adam, I feel like I have a passion for lost people. Uh, I'm less terrified about talking about Jesus and some of my friends at the church. Uh, and so what do I do now? What do I do now? Uh, a good next step is Alpha. Um, we don't necessarily have any official evangelism ministry because it's kind of hard to formalize everyday regular relationships with people in your life. How do, we, how do you formalize that? So Alpha is a good way. It's, uh, it's the best, closest thing that we have to, to making this happen um, and seeing those conversations take place. It's a place uh, where <clears throat> you, can, you can hear what these conversations are like and the kind of questions that non-Christians are asking and be in an environment where people feel safe talking about faith, maybe even for the first time. And so if you think you have a leaning that way or something is stirring in your heart about evangelism, check out Alpha and maybe you can grow uh, in your gift there. Also, body life groups. Um, that may sound weird to some of you guys because you'd be like, uh, but I only have Christians in my body life group. How does that work? Uh, well, here we go. Um, it's very important, especially at this stage of the church, that we have evangelists present, active, and using their gift in our body life groups because we need people to remind us to pray for lost people. You need to remind us to pray for lost people. You're the one who's always reminding us to think about our neighbors and our friends who need to hear about the message of Jesus and experience his love. And so take a step of faith in those times at Body Life Groups together um, or any time you meet with your, your Christian friends. Um, yeah, just, just take a step of faith um, and initiate that. Uh, and the best way... The best way to grow in this is just find somebody who has this gifting and go hang out with them. Ask them if you can hang out with them and their friends who are non-Christians and watch how they uh, draw conversations back to Jesus and talk about their faith. 
Um, if you find someone uh, with a lot of non-Christian friends, but they never talk about Jesus, uh, faith, or the church, or God, or the scriptures, or anything of that nature, you've not found an evangelist. And so go find somebody else. Here's a warning to uh, people with this gift. Adam, here's a warning to you. Yourself, buddy. Stay humble. Other people want non-Christians to meet Jesus too. Generally, uh, people in the church have a sense that the world needs Jesus, and they do find joy in seeing other people get saved. Be wise. Just because you spend more time in the world than in the church does not mean you can look like the world. Know that your shortcomings and the ways the enemy will tempt you and keep holiness above mission, and know that you can be annoying sometimes and be okay with that, but be wise <laughs> about how you approach conversations about Jesus. Uh, real quick, um, I... Uh, I was at a church for a brief moment. Um, this is a really sweet moment, just as I got back from a time in Australia where God did a huge work in my life, and he brought me back to Toronto with a calling to plant a church. And I, uh, I got to be with my future wife after um, a whole long time away and, uh, and a whole bunch of mess that, that God totally healed and turned around. And we were at this little church, and I was under a shepherd leader. I was under a shepherd leader with a calling to church plant and, and a strong bend towards evangelism. And, uh, and the way this worked out was they made um, small groups that were closed to give people lots of time, like nobody knew could come into it to give themselves lots of time to get to know those people. It was a very, very safe environment to make sure we can all rest and settle in. And it just really bothered me. <laughs> it really bothered me. I was like, what do I, where do I bring somebody new if I want to invite them into the community of faith? And I went so far as to write up a 15-page theological document and handed it to the guy and said, we need to do this at our church, not in like a mean way, not in like you're a horrible person and you're sinning and everything is wrong about this church, but like, hey, can we talk? Like, I'm gifted in this way and I have a passion for this and I think there's something that we could do um, to broaden our understanding of how we do life together as a Christian community and engage non-Christians and bring them into this. And it was actually a really great conversation between us um, and it actually led to some great fruit and it led to them blessing us to leave to go plant this church. They came, they were on board with the mission, they were in, in, on board with, uh, with us going out um, to do this, and it was, it was a really sweet, sweet time in and amongst gifts and personalities and preferences that were, uh, that may, um, the gifts may seem opposed at time, but really they're not, but definitely the personalities and preferences can, can be opposed sometimes, and we need to watch out for that. Um, so, uh, here's another warning. Don't let your conversion rate become your identity and be a faithful evangelist whether you never see people meet Jesus or whether people meet Jesus by the hundreds and thousands in your ministry. And don't get caught up, this is another warning, don't get caught up with church tasks because, uh, uh, and know that your evangelism, evangelism is one of the most special ways that you can be serving the church. And be okay handing off relationships once you bring them in. Sometimes you get them into the door, and then other people need to use their gifts in different seasons. A rogue missionary, especially an evangelist, um, is, is no good. Understand that more than just your gift of evangelism, the person will see the most of Jesus in the ministry of the body of Christ as they will see the manifold wisdom of God and multitude of the gifts of the Spirit on display and working together, and that's a really cool miracle that people need to see. Um, one amazing missionary says it like this, 
I have come to feel that the primary reality of which we have to take account in seeking for a Christian impact on public life is the Christian congregation. How is it possible that the gospel should be credible, that people should come to believe in the power uh, which has the last word in human affairs uh, is represented by a man hanging on the cross? I am suggesting that the only answer, the only hermeneutic, that's the way of understanding and interpreting the gospel, is a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. I am, of course, not denying the importance of the many activities by which we seek to challenge public life with the gospel, evangelistic campaigns, distribution of Bibles, Christian literature, conferences, and even books, such as the one he wrote. Um, But I am saying that these are all secondary and that they have power to accomplish their purpose only as they are rooted and led back to a believing community. This is Leslie Newbegin. Um, He's wrote many good books, but this one's from The Gospel in a Pluralist Society. And so what does this have to do with Jesus, this gift? Well, Luke 19 uh, says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And in Luke 7, Jesus is accused of eating and drinking. He was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus loves weird people because, and you know that because Jesus loves you, Uh, Jesus was willing to be with broken people and tell them all about who he is, and they killed him for it because he kept hanging out with, with these people, and the religious people didn't like that, especially because he told them he was God. All right. So after we get them in the door, let's read on in Ephesians. We have the shepherds and the teachers, and they are, they are great people for ministering to people and leading them into maturity and all that stuff. And so let's wrap up. Let's wrap up this introduction to our series um, and the first kind of two gifts that we're going to cover um, with the rest of the text, because all of this is what Missy read earlier, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body until we attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And there's a lot in here. But us, as we use our spiritual gifts, this is what, this is what we need to remember. One, they're to build up other people. Two, we find joy in other success. This is directly coming out of the Ephesians passage. Three, We want to seek to maintain unity in the great diversity in the church as we explore these gifts. Four, we want to stay teachable as we grow in maturity, right? Not tossed to and fro. We want to have Jesus as the goal, growing up into the head, right? Jesus is the goal of everything we do. And lastly, we persevere in the body because of our great love for people. And so we're going to turn to Jesus for the rest of the service. We're going to sing songs to him. We're going to take communion, um, which is the broken body and shed blood of Jesus uh, given to us on the cross. And we're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate the great diversity. We're going to celebrate the apostolic in our church. We're going to celebrate the evangelistic. And later, we're going to call people um, who may have those gifts out so we can pray for you. And that's going to be exciting. So in response, 
Let's take communion and let's sing. Let's experience joy. Let me pray. God, thank you for the many ways in which you've gifted us. Thank you that we stand on a foundation of, uh, of the apostolic that you gifted to many few. And so us who are benefiting from that, may, uh, may, we, may we be excited and ready for the next season. May we not be stuck in the past. And may we be thankful for those who have gone before us to release us into further ministry and our gifts. And God, as we go through this series this summer, teach us about our identity in Christ. Teach us about our destiny in you, Jesus, so that we can influence our city and our world. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.